Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, we're going to collaborate with the Dr. Joe Show, of which I'm a co-host. This was an amazing episode, and I really wanted to share it with you in case you hadn't already heard it. Please enjoy. Tom, can you introduce our guests? Absolutely, Dr. Joe. Tonight, we are welcoming back David and Julie Bullitt. A licensed clinical social worker, Julie Bullitt has spent more than 25 years working with individuals, couples, and families. Her private practice focuses on family, couples, and individual therapy, ADHD, and executive functioning coaching. David Bullitt is a partner in the Washington, D.C. Metro law firm of Joseph Greenwald Lake and Lake PA. He has repeatedly been chosen as one of the Washington area's top divorce lawyers by multiple publications, recognized as one of the best lawyers in America, and a Washington, D.C. Metro super lawyer. David and Julie have been married more than 36 years. They have four daughters and three grandchildren. The Bullet's first book, the award-winning The Five Core Conversations for Couples, was released on Valentine's Day 2020, and their second book, Secrets of Strong Couples, was released July 2023. Welcome back to The Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Welcome back. Welcome. We are so happy to be back. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, again. And certainly, you know, all through COVID, the first book, we would love chatting with you about that. How's that one doing? What's going on with that one? That, that book did great, you know, and we, we won a bunch of awards. We ran up to the, the top of a bunch of, of several bestseller lists on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, around Valentine's Day always seems to do well, and we still get a lot of wedding parties who are ordering it and buying it for their groomsmen and their bridesmaids and all that stuff. So we're still talking about that book, and I hope it's going to live a long, long life on the shelf. And uh, we've now shifted our focus to this book, uh, which was a long, long time in the making. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Say hello to the secrets of strong couples. How did you come up with the idea? There it is. There it is. Yep. Well, there you go. The, the, you want us to do it? You want to tell me? Yeah. So, so shortly after we published our first book, we started thinking about, oh, what's, you know, what's a second project? What does that look like? And what we realized was that there was a lot of, uh, we had told our story and um, stories of, of clients that have been in our offices. And we decided that there were people out there that had their own stories. So we actually, just started asking people if they would be willing to be interviewed. And we interviewed 20 plus couples that have been through really, really difficult challenges in their life. And um, 17 of them were put in the book, The Secrets of Strong Couples. Yeah. So, so the, the, the idea behind this book and all we, although we really cracked down and started working on it about three years ago, it started our first couple of interviews was far back as 2018. But the jump off point was, uh, and I make jokes, right, that that some people come to my office to talk about divorce because they had a bad Tuesday. You know, you know what I'm saying? And here we have folks who have lived through the, the most difficult of the difficult, uh, murdered child, um, um, all, all sorts of addiction issues, mental health mental issues, health issues, financial bankruptcy, and so um, having a child or children in, in one of our stories that um, are, are transgender and dealing with um, going through that situation. So, so yeah, so the idea was, okay, how do these people do it? You know, at the, at, they get through this and, and they seem to be better then in a, in a better place and, and not having been, their relationship not having been damaged. So how did they do it? What strategies did they apply to get through? And then what can the rest of us learn from that? And that was sort of the jump off point uh, for secrets. Yeah. And the, the structure of the book is is wonderful where you, you know, you have them tell their story, then your take on it, and then the takeaways, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. But, but powerful, starting off with that, surviving when your child and grandchild don't. I mean, that was a mm -hmm. powerful kickoff to the book. Yeah, that was actually the hardest interview that um, that um, we did 
um, most of them were, you know, there was parts of them that were difficult um, to hear, but that one truly, I, I don't often get nervous before I talk to people because I do that all day long. But I remember having, you know, just this feeling of anxiety before I sat down with this couple and, and the couple actually is um, very open about their relationship, but they're very private people. So it was hard for them, but they, you know, they really opened up and it was an amazing story to share. Yeah. And the setup of the book, Dr. Joe, is such, like you said, such that we, we try to tell their story um, um, and not the whole story, but as much as we as we felt we could fit into the book, given the, the, the number of pages and so forth that we had to work with. And then we wanted to sort of bring our own sort of perspective. And that's where we get to the little conversations between the two of us afterwards. And and because because Julie and I come from such different spaces, different places, when it comes to looking at relationships and conflicts and how they're solved and why they get worse and so forth, we had we had very different views sometimes of of these folks and how they handled things and what could have been done or should have been done, what they did well, what they didn't do well, and and it was it was really uh, eye opening for both of us. Mm -hmm. It really was. It was yeah. it was a great project. I'm thrilled that we did it. And the while we were doing it. I wasn't quite as <laughs> but but now I'm happy. I'm very happy with yeah. the end result. Yeah. So the different perspectives. Mark, did you want to say something? I was hoping to find if there's a common thread, if there's a common commonality that these couples had that created this ability to withstand those really difficult times. There was a few, actually. Yeah, yeah there was a few. I mean, one of the things that you know, came through loud and clear um, was lots of times a religious belief and a faith aspect that that this relationship would work out and that there was a higher power and, you know, somebody upstairs was was helping to guide them. Um, and then but we talked, but but before you go to so, so that was that was that was a theme that ran mm -hmm. through, you know, at least a third of the couples in this book. And for for the two of us who are not particularly observant, um, we found that you know, unusual because we don't have that in our relationship. That's not part of what we do. And when you're talking about this first chapter with this this couple whose daughter who was pregnant at the time, you know, is murdered in a field. Um, and and these folks, you know, you know, somehow leaned on their beliefs mm -hmm. and it made them not they didn't have trouble because clearly they did, mm -hmm. but it ultimately gave them solace and gave them strength and helped them get through. And we saw that repeatedly with mm -hmm. other with other couples. Mm -hmm. Now there were, as Julie's going to say, there's there were some other things that, that threads as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that many of the couples had some some way of connecting. I mean, for some for some of the couples, it was you know sexual intimacy connection. Others, it was you know what walking um, together in the evening or watching a TV show together. But time and time again, it, it, there there was often, uh, you know, sort of that connected piece, that link of what they, you know, even if they were going through a hard time, they, at the end of the day, came together in some way. Yeah, what we saw was when they started to struggle, a lot of these folks started to struggle, it was because they pulled back and they weren't mm -hmm. communicating. They felt resentful, felt angry, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. depending on the circumstance. Mm -hmm. We had a couple whose um, son is autistic, and and during the course of, of of him going to school and getting special supports and so forth, they learned that dad was also, also was on the spectrum, and and mom started to feel very resentful of that. Mm -hmm. A because he passed it on, right? And and B because he never knew and they never thought of it. Had they known, maybe they would have done things differently with their son who was the, who was at that time six or seven years mm -hmm. old, something like that. So there was there were breaks in communication. But but these folks with the often with the help of therapists mm -hmm. or with um, uh, religious mm -hmm. uh, pastoral Pastor. counseling, mm -hmm. um, they were able to you know find that you know connection again. Mm -hmm. Right, so sort of the leaning in versus leaning out. Yeah, that's a good one. We're gonna, we're gonna, did, we're you, write that down. did you find that a lot of the couples, their parents stayed together? Yeah, you know, statistically, um, that 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 is something important to look at because a lot of times we know that you know people that come from divorced families tend to have a higher divorce rate. 
Um, so I don't know specifically with these couples, but my guess is that if we looked at that piece that, yeah, that would probably be a factor, which is like, when do you call it quits? Oh, that's not something we've done in our family. And also religiously that could play into it as well. Like that's a strength of, there were, there were a couple, there were two couples who, who one of the, one of them mentioned that their, their parents had been, had split and been divorced. And that was something that came out early Mm -hmm. on, but others, if they didn't bring it up, that was not an, you know, we we sort of let these interviews go the way they wanted them to go and what they want to tell us and then take it from there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so important to be able to let someone give their message, you know, and, and so often when you don't have that in a couple, you can lead to that conflict and divorce. And and that's why I, I really want to be sure that our sponsors have the time to give their message. So, because I don't want them to divorce us. So we're going to take a commercial <laughs> break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Joe Show. Hey, folks. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Joe Show. We've been investigating whether or not we want to bring sponsors into our podcast. What are your thoughts? Do you know somebody who might be a good partner with the Dr. Joe Show, who may want to align their product or service with the Dr. Joe Show? Think about it. And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show. And we're grateful to be back with Dave and Julie Bullitt once again, but now with a new book, The Secrets of Strong Couples. Let's hear the secrets. Yeah. I, I just want to jump in because I asked my wife, because I think Carol and I have a strong relationship. And I said, do you want to like come on the show, you know, be part of it? And she said, no. And the fact <laughs> that you're saying, the fact that you're letting me do that shows how strong a couple we are. So she said, no, don't want to do it. Your show. But it, I, I'm just so impressed also the courage that it must have taken for these people to share their stories. But I want to come back to something you said, Julie, how anxious you were with this Mm -hmm. one chapter surviving when your child and grandchild don't. What was that anxiety about, do you think? It was just, I mean, it was just so raw, the the discussion around it. Um, And it wasn't like, some of the the scenarios of that you know stories that people had they sort of like tied up like there was there's one family that had a, a child with cancer and and now he's better and he's like living and we told their story and even with a couple that had you know two two sons uh two daughters that became sons like we can kind of tie those things up right like now they're you know they have two you know they actually have three sons but it sort of like happened and, and it can be positive and there's a silver lining. And for this couple, their daughter and grandson are are not with us. And there's no, I mean, they ended up, you know, really trying to find a silver lining, but it, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be tied up in the way that other people's stories were tied up. And I think that's the part that gave me angst, which is like, like we're going to end this interview and tell the story, but it's going to just be so just heart wrenching still for them. You know, I, I don't think either of them, at least at the time that we were talking with them, certainly and probably never get over something over something like that. And it was something that was public. It was in the news and and just just and again, what struck me was because he always these are the questions that I have for for folks who are very observant, regardless of the of the religious part. You know, God has a plan. It's his plan. And I say to myself, well, how is that possible, right? As, as just a lay person with not a lot of not a lot of feeling, how is it possible, you know, that you know that six million Jews were murdered in the 1940s? How is it possible that all these children have been killed by guns? You know, what 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 possible plan mm-hmm. could that be? And yet, yet when I when we raise those mm-hmm. questions, these folks don't bat an eye. And mm-hmm. they say, I know. I know in my heart mm-hmm. that this is what it is. And mm-hmm. and it, it's it's was really, really eye-opening, I mm-hmm. think, for both of us. Yeah, yeah. And and actually this couple, there there were actually a couple silver linings to the to the story. One of the one of the aspects was that they got a law passed yeah. that if 
somebody is murdered um, while pregnant, mm-hmm. that they can be charged with two murders. And so that's where they put their energy into trying to change something, which I think is just wonderful in so many ways to like, instead of, you know, what do you do with your grief? You oh. do something with it. Um, and the other piece that they mm-hmm. that they tell in the story, which I think is very interesting, is that they talked about the funeral and they talked about how many people came and they talked about how many people came back to that church because they liked the way the funeral service was and they felt welcomed and warm and that they saw their daughter's death as a way to get people involved in the church. And I thought, well, okay, that's, that's going to be your silver lining. That's, you know, how you're going to view things and how wonderful it was for them to, to see that. But it's unfathomable, isn't it? Some of these things that happen. You know, I, I, a very wise man who once said, if we think we understand God's plan, our concept of God is too small. Mm. You know, because how are we meant to know? But the other side as a psychiatrist is being sure, trying to be sure that, that somebody isn't using God as well as a tool for denial, mm-hmm. as a tool for not coming to terms Mm -hmm. with what has happened. You can have both. You can have a firm belief in God and still hide behind the shield. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen that too. I've seen people not, you know, really work on things and, and just say, I'm going to pray about it or God will handle it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they let things just kind of, you know, go on in not a positive way. In the, the story you mentioned about um, the family where, where their child has cancer, I think that the part that struck me the most about that was the beginning of it and the anger uh, that the woman felt. Can you maybe just mention without giving away too much of the story yeah. what had happened? Yeah, so I, I think that, um, so in that situation, their son, I think he was like 10 or 11, um, got cancer and she was really angry about it. And um, she, you know, she had some denial mechanisms in the beginning, but then she really, you know, again, poured her anger into getting the best care and doing research. I mean, when she told the story, she was using, you know, scientific terminology, Dr. Joe, that as a, as a doctor, you could understand. I had no idea what she was talking about, but she really poured a lot of that, you know, anger and control into getting the better, the best medical care that she could um, for her son. But they, they interestingly had, you know, different ways of handling things. She, you know, she didn't really talk about things and, and the husband wanted to talk about things and that caused conflict in the relationship. And I know sometimes for David and I, I'm a talker and he's more of a thinker and we've had our own issues with the way we process things. Yeah. I mean, but there was, there were, there were two things in play with that couple. One, one was that, that she converted to not converted, but she became an Orthodox Jew mm-hmm. and, and she was, and, and, and so she had this, despite all that I did, this still happened mm-hmm. to our son, a mm-hmm. and B he, they, they lived in an area where he had grown near where he had grown mm-hmm. up. There was lots of family and friends and his way of handling things or to, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to, to sort of get his arms around things was to share, mm-hmm. talk to his parents or brothers or sisters or friends or whomever it might be. Whereas she, she felt very strongly. This was a fam. This was a family issue. Mm-hmm. And this is our family. Everybody on the street is not our family. And there was that drove, mm-hmm. that drove conflict. No, no question. His illness drove conflict. They became, I think, I think the husband said at one point they would, that we became like co-managers. We weren't really partners anymore. We were just managing this boy's life and trying not to wreck our other son's life. Yeah. Um, so they, they, you know, it was a, it was another very unique type of struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what do you make of that? That you know, the husband didn't keep it a secret. He went out and shared it with his entire community just to get support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that really angered his wife was it about not talking with her first and saying can we do this what do you think her anger was was about that he went and did that well I think the anger was about that her kid had cancer and it's probably just displaced anger I mean you know we had the same so I interrupt you with her do regularly but but we had some of the same (laughs) we had some of the same same stuff 
Julie and myself. Okay, so our, and you know this, we've talked about this, our, our third daughter had significant mental health issues, significant behavioral problems. We were constantly cleaning mm -hmm. up her messes. Mm -hmm. And Julie was always talking to friends and people about it. And mm -hmm. I was like, can't we just, mm -hmm. uh, let's just manage it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't need, I don't need, you know, the, the fellow across the street to come say, oh, mm -hmm. I heard about what happened, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, and and I don't know what it was other than maybe maybe there was some degree of shame, mm -hmm. embarrassment, uh, um, feeling that I didn't do, wasn't doing my job as a parent. And I wanted to keep that stuff in, you know, under our roof. But we had some of we had some of the same feelings. I yeah. remember we and we talked about that in our discussion about these folks. Um, um, but it, I'm sure she she it was difficult for her. It was yeah. difficult. Yeah. And he didn't understand it, right? Because he said, these people are our family. Mm -hmm. they, right. they are our family. They are support us. We, we spend night, we spend time with them. We vacation with them where kids mm -hmm. play together. They are our family. This is what this is what family does. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that is part of being a strong couple, is being able to tolerate, mm -hmm. not just tolerate, but embrace the differences that we have in the way mm -hmm. we express things, the way we process things. And, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that that is a strength in their relationship as opposed to potential source of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Like in that story uh, about the financial losses. Mm -hmm. The fellow who lost his mother, his wife's mother's house. Yeah. Can you just, I think we're going to come back to that as well, because that's a really interesting story, but what's your take on, on that one, why is it sometimes so difficult to be truthful? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there is a lot of shame around um, money specifically and not being, you know, not providing, I, you know, especially for the, for the male traditionally, you know, if we're talking about, if I can generalize here. And I think there was a lot of shame around, you know, him not being successful in the business and him getting, you know, taking more and more money out and, and not talking about it. I think it, it's kind of like a little thing that might start off with, I'm just not going to talk about this because I'll probably be able to make up the money, you know, next week or whatever. And then it just kind of builds. And this was one of the ones we talked earlier about where we looked at things differently. And we definitely looked at the, this situation very differently. And, and again, Julie's perspe perspective was basically he, he, he hid things. He mm -hmm. wasn't truthful. Mm -hmm. uh, he took something that was given to his wife by her mother um, and he lost it and she didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my my perspective as we were talking about it was, well, hold on just a second. Wait, wait, wait. wait she sees the mail she saw the bills mm -hmm. she didn't couldn't ask him during after the end of the day you know how to what's going on how are we doing mm -hmm. how's business but but no so so uh, you know in some ways i likened it you know a little bit to you know to an accomplice kind of a thing and and we we did have a conversation mm -hmm. about that and and so i'm not so certain she was blameless in those circum in that circumstance but that's blame's a bad word but but yeah. there certainly was it was was there could have been better communication yeah. from both of them yeah. that may have helped to avoid things. Yep, absolutely. If not avoid the financial downfall, at least avoid the conflict that was the result of that. I mean, you saw that they, you know, she she was angry at him for a year, maybe longer. It was a long time. Yeah, and, and I I certainly can appreciate that potential financial conflict, which is why we always give our sponsors a chance <laughs> to talk, because I certainly wouldn't want to take away anything from them if they could take it away from my so we'll be right back with the dr joe show and the bullets hey folks welcome back so any thoughts do you listen to other podcasts do you see how they do the sponsors is there a way that they're utilizing sponsors that you enjoy or you don't enjoy i listen to smartless and i really enjoy how the co-hosts share the voiceover for the product or service it's really funny for the most part but it's unique it's them really endorsing. Does that work? What do you think? And we're back with the Dr. Joe show. Once again, hosting wonderful author guests, David and Julie Bullet. This time we're talking about the secrets of strong couples. If you want to understand the secrets of strong couples, stay tuned. Yeah. Dr. Joe. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's one story after the other illustrating so many different areas um, of how we can have conflict. I remember, I mean, Carol and I have been married a long time. We, we got, we met in 1978. During medical school and residency, there was enormous potential conflict because I was away and we had two kids um, and it was the only time in our marriage we fought, but we realized it wasn't because of the integrity of the relationship. It was all these external forces. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just knew we, at that moment, we just didn't, we just didn't have anything else to give each other. It didn't mean we didn't love each other. But the external forces were just overwhelming. Um, but we're still here, which is incredible, um, because we communicate. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's sort of a theme as well mm -hmm. throughout the book. Can you maybe comment on on that? Sure. People, the the one couple to the next, and there's seventeen that that, that are in the book. Uh, communication in some fashion. Now, the communication varied from one couple to the next, but communication in some, in some fashion mm -hmm. helped to pull them through. In some cases, that communication was talking, you know, which is what all of us, many of us think about as communication. In some cases, it was doing. We had the, the, the couple who had lost a child uh, many years back and then had, then had children afterwards, and their way of handling it was not talking about it. They didn't tell anyone. They both knew what they felt. It was more of a, a you know, um, a nonverbal type thing. For some folks, it was, uh, it was sexual. It was sexual chemistry and the need to be close to each other. And that helped them, mm -hmm. um, uh, excuse the pun, grease the wheels, so mm -hmm. to speak, to, to get them through. Mm -hmm. That was a little prickly, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little prickly. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was that was an interesting couple. So this was um, a couple that had gotten together and broke up several times. And uh, he had a pretty, pretty difficult time with addiction, drug addiction. And she stuck with him. I mean, really, like one of the stories that she told was that when and they had kids together and uh, he she, it got so bad one night that she had him sleep in a shed outside that she just knew that he couldn't be there anymore because of his drug addiction. So he slept outside and she had to explain to their daughter, who was old enough to understand why dad was sleeping outside. Um, but this couple specifically was always very, very sexual and really enjoyed, you know, sex together. And that was kind of the glue for them that kept on bringing them back together. And ultimately, he um, started his recovery journey and they got married and he is, you know, clean still clean and sober. She read the book um, and, and wrote me a note and she said, uh, Please tell anybody that's interested that we're still enjoying a lot of great sex. <laughs> well, you know, what was interesting, right, is that most, pe most people, a lot of people will say, I, I can't have sex with, with this person yeah. when I'm angry. Yeah. You know, it's just like, not, pull away. It's not I, I'm not interested in any kind of contact mm -hmm. because we're, you know, because we're not getting along because we're fighting, whatever it is. For these two, it was the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, they could have, it didn't matter if things mm -hmm. were good, bad, or somewhere in between. Um, they were, they, they used their their sexual relationship to kind of keep you know keep the 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 canoe moving forward up the river yeah. there i go again sorry. yeah 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 <laughs> but i we I, we we thought that was very interesting because i i mean for for me personally like if i'm not happy you know with david or my life or something i pull back sexually that i'm not usually you know interested in sex if i'm mad at him or to, you know, which rarely with, happens, by the way. Yeah, because he's so perfect, I hardly get mad <laughs> at him. But anyway, so that that was interesting to just kind of see the the way that they connected, um, and kind of neat. Yeah, no. Then we had another couple who's who's really their relationship was born uh, as a result of their sexual chemistry, and they had they, they sex was the most important thing in their lives mm -hmm. for a long, long period of time. He had an accident. Um, and then became uh, unable to perform. And that 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 caused a big problem for him. And then, of course, for them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, a myriad of, of psychological issues, as you can imagine. Yeah. And so how 
in the process of, of hearing the stories, it's it's not quite a therapy session. So you're not really helping them solve a problem. You're just helping them illuminate it. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. None of these people ask us all the time, were these clients of yours or David's or, you know, how did you get the people? None of these people were clients. Um, and I and I honestly wouldn't really think about asking a client because it would just be like a dual relationship role, right? Which we wouldn't want to go to. So these are people that either I knew of or people, once we started to say what we we're doing, people go, I have a couple for you. So, um, yeah, these weren't therapy sessions, but we do think that it was cathartic for people to tell their story, especially for people that tended not to talk about the hard things. So it was very interesting to kind of see, you know, like once they kind of opened up a little bit, like they did feel better after they talked about it, even if that wasn't their normal way of processing things. So how did you find these folks? Just word of mouth, or did you? Word, word, word of mouth. And actually, there was many, many, many more people that we could have interviewed. Um, interestingly enough, and I, I've been, I, I told the story a couple of times, we really wanted to find an interracial couple that had been together for a long time so we could sort of see the span of how it might have been, you know, like back in the 70s or 80s or whatever. Um, I found two couples that fit the bill and neither one of them would um, agree to be interviewed. Hmm. We put a lot of feelers out in social media and through friends. And, and we, we, I think we in in total interviewed maybe 25, 26 Mm -hmm. couples in total. Um, But, you you know, as, as publishers go these days, they wanted us to stay at a certain page count. And so uh, we had to sort of decide with their assistance, um, who to excise from, from, <laughs> from the book. And, and, yeah. um, and we tried to, we tried to include as many different, I say everybody's stories are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we didn't want to include four adoption stories, for example, or multiple issue uh, stories of, of, um, marital infidelity or, you know, things that we need to try to try to point our light or shine our light in different places mm-hmm because we thought that would give us the best results in terms of trying to find, you know, what, what um, uh, Mark, da- Mark asked about before, were there any themes, any consistencies? And the, so that's what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think we did find some mm-hmm. by doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, that first story again, maybe not the first one, it was the one um, rebuilding trust after financial collapse to me, part of part of secrets for me is two things. First, it's 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 not the secret. It's why somebody wants to keep it secret, right? What are they worrying about? Will change, you know, when somebody sees me mm-hmm. for doing this. But the other part was, I think that this guy was also keeping a secret because he really cared what his wife would think. Oh, a million percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A million percent. Yeah. And that's he, where the shame came he from. Was, he felt horrible. Yeah. He felt horrible. And, 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 you know, and it's, it's, it's like, think about people who have addictive person, personality, a gambler, right? And, and you're, you're down a thousand. All right. I got to, got to get that thousand. Now you're down 3,000. Got to get that three back. Now you're down 6,000, 8,000. And before you know it, you can't get it back. And that's what happened. He got to the point where he just said, I, I, I can't do it. I, I can't. I got to tell her. Um, um, but he tried. He 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 didn't want her to know. Mm-hmm. He didn't want her. He he. Had, remember, this was a guy who had worked for somebody else for a long period of time, um, who had done very well working for somebody else, mm-hmm. and who the two of them said, "All right, you want to go on your own? Let's do it. I'm supportive of you. We'll mm-hmm. borrow some money against the house. We'll do what we need to do. Let's get your business started." And he felt he felt horrible, and he didn't need her to make it worse. And she did. Now she had every right to feel terrible and every right to be angry. Um, but but her her being upset with him and angry with him was the least of his of his concerns at that point in time. He was just he felt like a failure. I think he said that mm-hmm. that there was like a big. He would walk in that and there'd be a big a big L for loser outside the apartment that they were living in. Mm-hmm. That's what he would say. Yeah. So so I'm curious. I mean, Julie, you know, talk about some of the psychology behind this. But as a divorce lawyer. Why weren't these people divorcing? Mm. 
That's a very good question, right? Yeah. So why why didn't they divorce? Why didn't they come to me? Why mm-hmm. didn't any of these seven and not one of these couples went and, unless they didn't tell us, which I don't think. There was one couple that that said at one point, "Do you want a divorce?" You want a divorce. Like that's that right. was like the the right. low point, right? Yeah, but I I don't believe that any of them ever took the step mm-hmm. to get to get legal advice, right. and I and again I think that that's because in large part that even when to borrow from Bruce Springsteen, the ties that bind were fraying. There was still there was still whatever that connection was, it was still there. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were holding on to. Whatever it was to get them, you know, from this sort of dark place mm-hmm. through it into a place that was that was maybe not as dark or light or bright in some cases. But did that ever cross your mind and strike you? Yeah. Like, oh, there's all this conflict in these folks. Yeah. How are they doing right. that? Because I mean that. I think that's one of the most important messages in the book, Secrets of Strong Couples, because there are so many people who would just divorce. I mean, you know. People come to me for a lot less than these folks. Oh, yeah. Less, again, is a bad way of putting it. Yeah. a lot less significant in terms of the, the universe of, of 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 situations and problems that couples face. Yeah, and statistically, these couples weren't supposed to make it. Right. If you mm-hmm. identify these issues in general public, the statistics are against them. Most people break up that lose a child. Yes, more right. often. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting what that underlying theme was, the, the loyalty, the mm-hmm. fidelity, yeah. the ability to tolerate all those differences. Luckily, I have sponsors that don't really do that they remain loyal and faithful and uh, we don't have many differences but uh, with that in mind we'll take a commercial break we'll be right back with the dr joe show and the bullets secrets of strong couples we'll be back hey welcome back and again we're super grateful for you listening to the dr joe show if you have anyone that you think might be a good sponsor shoot us an email at drjoepodcasts at gmail.com, D-R-J-O-E podcasts at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts about the show too. We're wondering, are we talking to the trees or are people really gaining value in this? Please let us know. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show, discovering the secrets of strong couples with authors David and Julie Bullitt. Yeah, it's, it's first, how, how do people get the book? They can get it anywhere, on, it's on all uh, online platforms, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, BookBub, all the places online, all the bookstores online. It's in many, many um, uh, brick and mortar shops in your neighborhood, indie stores, uh, Barnes and Noble stores. And if they don't have it and you go in your store, just ask them for it. We can all, you can also reach us on our website, www.thebullets.com or social media at the bullets. And we can point people in, in the direction. That yeah. And we're really excited that the book just came out on audio, yeah. which is really oh, nice. great. This is the first time I've been able to read the whole book, <laughs> the whole, the whole book start to finish. Cause I'm not a reader. <laughs> Ah, Mark. I love it. I'm already in. I'm looking at my Audible right now. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So who narrated for you? Uh, what was his name? He's done a, so, yeah, he's some a guy. theater actor. Yeah, some he's done guy. a lot of lot of audiobooks. He did a great job. Yep. I'm very happy with it. And I, it it was, I think, two weeks ago, 10 days or so. Yeah. It just dropped. Nice. Yep. That's yep. With it. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, no, we're we're really excited about that piece. Um, because I, you know, when we when we wrote it, I read little, you know, chapters at a time and that kind of thing. And now just kind of like sitting down and listening to the book is is kind of crazy. Um well, what was our we had a, an interesting process, which was which was in, and Julie, Julie took the lead on all of the interviews as she should have should have, A, because that's her thing, and B, because she, she has a lot more patience than I do in a lot of ways. <laughs> Uh, and then I would take no those. No pun intended, right? That was good. Yeah, yeah, right, a, lot of patience. a lot more patience. Right. That was a nice one. That's right. Yes. Right. So, um, yeah, Mark, grab it and, and let us know what you think. But uh, and then I would take her note. She'd give me these notes. I make jokes again, you know, single spaced and little to no yeah. punctuation. Um, and then we would put this, you know, put these chapters together. 
And and I'd say, you want to read it? And Julie would say, no, no, just read it to me. Read yeah. it. So I was I was the audio book was the author. Audio. Yeah. And she would stop me and say, well, hold on a second. Something doesn't make sense. Go back here, go back there. And it was a, yeah. it was a, it, it, we had a, we had a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. It was a good project for us. Yeah. And then it, it, when we were trying to end the book, like finish it, um, I said to David, I got, I got thinking about it. And I said, you know, we have had all these couples share their story. I think it's only fair for us to share our story because we had, you know, we're a married couple. We just celebrated 37 years of marriage and uh, we have, thank you. And we, we, you know, we have a story with our one daughter has been particularly challenging. Um, So we included that that's chapter 19. Yeah. That's the, how about us? How about us? And we shine the light on us and talk to, you know, a bit about our, our struggles and our strengths. See, I I think that gives us a very, honest uh, underpinning that you're not afraid to shy away from your own conflicts your own challenges um but it does take courage was that a difficult one to write that one did you guys interview each other how did you actually well, get that one on paper yes and no because we've talked about our circumstances as long ago as when the first book came out and we've you know, we've done a lot of speaking engagements and talk mm-hmm. corporate stuff and mm-hmm. interviews and things. So we've talked about it, but to sit down and write, you know, write us like we wrote others uh, and include, you know, our own, you know, sort of applying what what um, you doctors might call the retrospectoscope, <laughs> what we could have done differently or what, you know, you know, and why didn't we think mm-hmm. about this or think about that? And it was that that, that was that was difficult, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that we did it. It mm-hmm. was Julie's idea. Most of our good ideas come from her, at least 61 percent. do. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it was it was dip- it was difficult. But she's right. We We felt like, OK, these folks had the courage to do it. Yeah, so we need we're to. We're going to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was good, and it's cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I seem to recall though that the structure of the chapter was a little bit different than all the others, um, because there wasn't a takeaway. No. And there wasn't, you know, obviously you didn't need to process it because it was your story. But I'm curious. Was there a reason why you didn't put in the takeaways on that one? That's interesting. And I think someone else someone asked, else asked, asked someone else question. asked about, they wanted like, they almost wanted more from that chapter. Yeah. And it was like, we, we like went as far as we could. And that was kind of it. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't feel that we were in a position to tell people what to take away from our story that we, you know, it, it was, it was one thing where we're taught, you know, as part of our role as a divorce lawyer and a therapist and, and a married couple to weigh in on these, the other folks stories, but then, and, and we do weigh in mm-hmm. on our story as part of that chapter in a significant amount. We mm-hmm. do, we do weigh in it, but, mm-hmm. but I, my sense of it was we didn't need to do it. We shouldn't do it. It might come across in a way that yep. seemed a bit self-serving. So that's why we left it out. And to be to be really vulnerable and really honest, the story's not over. We don't have a lot of resolution with our, you know, our daughter. She's, you know, still, you know, addicted to drugs. She's mostly living well, on her story's the, not over. Most our, mostly on the streets. Our relationship with her is yeah. is very torn and difficult. And um so I don't think we can wrap it up, if you will. Well it was you know, and again it was the focus was on in this discussion in the book was on how that how that situation affected our relationship. That's what the whole book was about. You know, not just us but everybody else. Mm-hmm. How did that affect our relationship? Mm-hmm. And it had very, very adverse effects mm-hmm. for um, intermittently for a long, long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it had adverse effects on our other children, on our parenting mm-hmm. of our other children, on our mm-hmm. own personal relationship in many ways, financial um, and otherwise, communication otherwise, where there was yeah. a lot more separating and going to separate corners uh, on and off during a you know roughly a 10-year period of time yep. than we did before then or have done since. Well, and I appreciate, you know, the honesty, the courage, the transparency. I think it makes the book that much more powerful to know that people who write these books are not immune from the stuff that we're talking about. So with that in mind, the I am approach, you know, saying that we're always doing the best we can. So all the people 
that you've mm-hmm. spoken about, doing the best they can. Your daughter as well. We might not like it, but we have to respect it. Look yeah. again at why it's happening. Because these four domains, your home, the social domain, the biological, and what I call the I see, the way I see myself, the way I think other people see me, because they interact, a small change in any domain can have a big effect. Don't need to change everything. So Dave, let me start with you. Given what we're talking about, what small change can you recommend to our listeners? Patience. Mm. Patience. Be be patient. Be humble. There was a there was a line from a recent television show um, um, that that took from Walt Whitman. Now, be curious, not judgmental. So so in your relation, and again, we're, we're focusing on couples relationship. So take a moment and be patient. Don't, why did she say this? Why did she do that? Why did they act this way? And don't, don't jump to a conclusion that may not be correct. Patience in a relationship, I think is probably um, uh, right up there in the top two or three. Julie, how would you answer that? Well, um, I, I would say, say something, you know, talk about it. Cause I, I see so many people that, you know, come into my office that just kind of sweep things under the rug, right? Like this bothered them, but they didn't say anything or they didn't want to do this, but they did it anyway, or whatever it is. And I, and I do think, you know, having the courage to say something, even if you're going to get some negative, you know, feedback or response is so important in a relationship, all relationships, not just with your partner, but with your kids too, you know, not to shy away from saying something because it makes a big difference and it can really, you know, help keep, keep your relationship in check. And there's that balance, right? Between being reflective and reflexive, you know, doing it now versus doing it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like there's that balance with the two of you, the patience, but also it doesn't mean you don't have a voice. You must right. have your voice. Yeah. So yeah. you can be heard. Yeah. I mean, I like to say there, you know, the, the old, there's no I in team, right? You know, well, there is an I in this team. There has mm-hmm. to be two eyes in this team for it to be successful. Mm-hmm. There is an I in intimacy. There certainly is. Yes, yes. there is. You're good at spelling. I'll keep an eye out for it. Um, So the second truth of the I am, everyone has one. Everyone is interested through their IC domain in what you think or feel about them, which has an effect in the biological domain because you know it feels different when you feel respected or disrespected and you're part of someone's home or social domain. So the second truth of the I am You control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you wanna be. I'm just gonna put this out to both of you. What kind of influence do the bullets want to be? We want to be an influence to get people to talk about, accept and acknowledge that relationships can be really hard. And that it's okay if you have challenges, it's okay if you have differences or difficulties and it's part of life. And I think, you know, just like I would love people to talk about mental health issues more openly, we would love people to talk about, you know, relationship issues more openly. Cause I think that the more we can do that, the better people will feel and be able to deal with their own issues. I mean, look, People are going to take what they what they think they can take from whatever we write, what you write, Doctor Joe, and what people say, and so forth. In terms of can we what what we like to do, what we like, what our work does in terms of influencing, it's it's to get it's to, to get people to understand, as Julie said, right that that there is more to a relationship than just putting a ring on somebody's finger or having a baby, and it also comes with. All of those unintended consequences, right, of, of, of having that relationship, fighting, difficulties, financial issues, sexual issues, parenting mm-hmm. issues, and their laundry list goes on. But that's okay. So the, the, the influence, I think, that, that we would like to spread, if, the, if, if that's the right word, from a, 
therapist and a divorce lawyer is that there are ways to work through those things. And and some, my key might be a little bit different than yours. That you might have to turn a little bit differently, whatever it is. But there are ways to work through those issues. And if we can get couples who are struggling to understand that and to either look for help or to or to take their time and be patient with each other, then I think we're 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 doing um, we're doing good work. Yeah. Want to just ask Mark? Does that sound like mediation to you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, it's funny. One of the questions I wanted to ask David was, you know, if you see the common thread with the folks that stuck together, is there a common thread for those who are not sticking together and coming to you and saying, we're done? Well, yes. And and, and we talked about that in the first book. I, I would say to you that the people who, who look to get divorced um, – generally speaking, have problems, whether they're financial, parent parent and family, or sexual problems. Check one of those three boxes. You're going to get one, maybe often all three. Um, the, the, the big overriding thing that I have seen over the last 20 years, though, is what I call this malaise creep. And that's mm-hmm. where you have people you know, who love each other, who raise their family, who, who aren't bad people, don't hate each other, aren't angry. But but because and and what Dr. Joe was talking about before, other things get in the way and other things and they get in the way and they get in the way and they get in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Soccer and schools and and all jobs. the rest of it, jobs <laughs> and everything else. And so what happened, what, what I see very regularly with, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond um, is that people look across the table and they're like, ah, this is is this all it's the old song. Is this all there is? And there, and and the way to fight that is to do what we've been talking about, which is which is to continue to connect and communicate and do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful discussion. One more time, how do they get the book "Secrets of Strong Couples"? They can go on Amazon.com. It's there. We have an author page, and they can just look the book up or look look us up. It's B U L I T T. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's on all online booksellers that you can find it's there in your local bookstore uh should have it if they don't ask them to get it and they'll get it uh they can email us at at contact at the bullets.com they can find our website www.tabulitts and we're on all socials at the bullets that's great and folks if, if you're buying it uh, online and there's an opportunity to write a comment on it afterwards please write comments because those can be very, very powerful and really helpful. Julie and David, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right, everybody. Mark, Tom, see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892, for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.